welcome to Simplifying DevOps, a podcast sponsored by CDW. I'm your host, Rachel Leary. This series is dedicated to breaking down the concepts and methodologies of DevOps, as well as the world known as digital transformation. We're looking to cut through the noise and break down barriers of learning for individuals who may not be developers or engineers. Welcome back to another episode of Simplifying DevOps. I am your co-host, Mitch Krombach. Uh, I also have the other host, Rachel Arian. Rachel, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Looking forward to uh, having our conversation today. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, we have a fun one. I'm actually looking forward to it. So we did a fun marketing event where we had our esteemed panel on, Jeremy Weiss, Ken Collins, and new to the podcast, Viet Pham. Uh, debating what was most important when we're talking about DevOps, either people, uh, processes, or product, tools, technology, whatever you want to call it. And it was a pretty short episode. It was about a five or six minute marketing episode. So we wanted to have that panel back on and dig a little deeper into this. Um, Before we do that, Viet, uh, can you do a quick intro of yourself as you are new to the podcast? Yeah, cool. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Viet Pham. I've been with CD. I'm a field solution architect with CDW. Uh, been here for four years now. Prior to working with CDW, uh, I was actually a product owner over at a medical device company, working with the R&D teams to uh, kind of define a product, get it, uh, get that product to market. And then also working to later on, we kind of work to uh, transform that product to a SaaS offering, leveraging AWS. And so we had to add automation into it to, in order for that to be successful and scale as needed. That's about awesome. uh, the quick of me. Awesome. I appreciate that, Viet. And uh, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I thought you won the uh, debate in the marketing event. So uh, I think I'll, I'll start with the first question for you. So um, Rachel and I have been exploring this sort of people process product, uh, the main foundations of DevOps. Um, I think we've come to a point where we agree that all three are really important, um, but we also know that this is a journey, DevOps is a journey, Uh, And in a continuous journey, right, you're probably never going to reach the end, or at least uh, that's the idea of it. Um, So where do customers start? Where should IT departments start, right? Um, I think that's where we want to get an understanding if there are folks out there saying, DevOps is great. I have no idea what what the next step is. Um, Can you help us with that? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, like you said, Mitch, I think all of them are very important. I know when we did the uh, kind of the marketing thing, we we were joking around, we all had our own kind of lanes to swim in, but you know, they're all critical. Um, I would say though, that one of the biggest things to think about though is, uh, you know, you have to, you know, DevOps is a philosophy and it's really a philosophy designed to build collaboration. Uh, So you can really accelerate the capabilities of the organization to meet your, you know, an organization's customers needs right um and so i think a lot of it still does fall around the people aspect where you do need to make sure that teams are willing to collaborate with each other work with each other uh and really communicate so that you can really have smooth transitions whether it's uh, a product confident development to test and then a test to production um you know and you can really get that flow through um you know like you know, I think sometimes, you know, what I see a lot of organizations do is they jump to the products first, um, which 
can help with some of that streamlining, but you know, I've also run into a lot of customers uh, and organizations where they've bought a lot of products and you know, you ask them what products they have and they go, well, we, you know, you go look at our shelf. We have every single product on the marketplace. Um, you know, and it can be a very dangerous path to go if you know, you start that route without thinking about all the other pieces, like the peop the culture as well as the processes that are just as important. So, just so I'm understanding, you think it start with the people, and if it start with the people, is it understanding what your people's skills are, or their willingness to take on new skills? Can you dig a little bit more there? Yeah, you know, it, you need to. I think you need to help educate the organization and the team to understand that we're not trying to automate you guys out of a job, right? I think a lot of people get scared when they hear like DevOps, they hear, they think the first thing they think of is automation. They think, oh, you're going to automate it and I'm not going to be needed anymore. Uh, when in reality is that those skill sets are just as critical for the automation, uh, for people to be able to architect and deploy and, you know, uh, be able to run uh, their environments and their infrastructure properly. Um, and so, you know, there just needs to be that education, that understanding throughout the organization to say, hey, you know what, it, it, it's helping us move faster, right? It's helping us to meet the challenges that of the, the marketplace is showing to us. Um, and then helping, you know, we're going to need, still need all that capability behind it and all the experience and expertise that are in place today. Um, you know, and then you're just elevating your skill set now to even do it even better. That makes sense to be it. And so what I'm hearing then is ultimately you need buy-in from the stakeholders. You need buy-in from leadership in that and you need buy-in from, you know, the masses within the organization who are going to be impacted on the day-to-day -day from these types of changes. Yeah, and it, it, I think that's the succinct way uh, to say it, Rachel. And, and Viet, uh, you know, welcome to the podcast world. Glad to have you aboard. You, you've got some good insight on this topic, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about the stakeholders, Rachel, you mentioned. You know, I think the business drivers help identify the importance of doing something you know, before you even get started. So, you know, how I look at getting started on the journey is really measuring, you know, where you're at today to help determine, you know, your success or failure, and then help organizations identify, you know, patterns currently within the organization, you know, so that then you can start to align the people and the process and, and the product all together to kind of build out what you're actually trying to target to, before you actually get too far down the path in that. So I think it's very important to you know think about those stakeholders, Rachel, as you mentioned. And so, depending on that conversation and depending on that stakeholder, I mean, who? How do you start that conversation with them? I think each of you might and and seem to have a different uh, way to go about that. Ken, how would you start that conversation with that stakeholder once you figured that out? Who are? What are you seeking to solve for them? So organizations likely have one or more tools doing various tasks throughout an application lifecycle management process. And by capturing you know, what your current process is and mapping those tools to the process can quickly under, uncover duplication in potential tools or gaps where there may be tools missing uh, that may prove beneficial to you know, your overall software development lifecycle management. Okay, so then you start with the tools to look and understand where their existing investments are, their existing skill sets, map out the workflow that they have today, and then look for 
wasted effort or maybe overlapping use cases, et cetera? Yeah, I think capturing that inventory of the process and tooling as it aligns to the people within the organization will help the stakeholders understand more specifically where each individual is working, be it an IT person or an application developer or anywhere else within the uh, spectrum of IT help that you have today. Well, and, and Ken, I understand your perspective. And um, the, the conversation though, that many of us engage with when we talk to customers is that they're coming to us with a pain point and a conversation that surrounds a current tactical issue. And I completely agree with both you and Viet on the concept that people in process are part of the puzzle that you have to understand to make the recommendation. But I always start with the conversation because when they've come to me, you know, nobody cares what I know until they know that I care. When I'm caring about the fact of in their current strategic situation, what are the pain points that are decreasing their efficiency or time vampires to their, to their methodologies and processes? What tool sets do they have that are not living up to their tasks, like you said, Viet, where there's a lot of shelfware sitting out there not doing what it was leveled up to be, or they didn't have the training and, and knowledge transfer to be able to leverage those tools properly. When I collect those pain points, I start to live into the, you know, step into their shoes. And when I step into those shoes, then I can start talking about how you use those tools. How do you use those processes? How do your people and their skill set map to those technologies so that I can then say, now I understand your picture. Now I know I've lived in your shoes. I understand your, your pain points. Let me then plan a, a, or build a design for the future. Then I'm talking strategy, but I have to first start with the pain points of what they're dealing with today on the journey. Again, my goal is to make um, DevOps, which is a journey, a, a, a pleasant journey and not a death march. So. I mean, let me stay there. Sorry, Viet. Jeremy, stay there for a second. Um, maybe we're just using different words here, but are, are you really talking about identifying barriers to make changes, right? Like when I hear pain points, I think, what are the things that are taking up all your time that, um, for instance, automation, you're, you're so wrapped up in just keeping the lights on, you don't have time to spend on implementing automation. And so the day-to-day -day is the barrier to make that change. Is that, is that, am, I, am I hitting the nail on the head? Well, let me interject here. I think, you know, what, what I'm kind of hearing what Jeremy says is, and here's the challenge that I, see, I will see with a lot of organizations is a lot of people get in there and they do their day-to-day -day job, like you're saying, Mitch, and they have kind of their their blinders on, right? They're very narrowly focused on their day-to-day -day job um, and they forget the bigger picture. You know, they, they forget like the business goals, the business objectives and the need to meet their customers' demands, right? What, whether it's your IT, whether it's your development, whether you're in sales, whether you're whatever part of organization, your goal is to help meet your organization's customers' needs and requirements, right? Um, and what you do is to that end state. And a lot of what Jerry's saying is sometimes what happens is the blinders come on and you focus on the tactical and that tactical is, I need to get the server up and running. I need to get the VDI going because you know what, everybody's working from home. Um, but in the end is, why are you doing it and how does it help your customers and how do you continue to make sure that you don't have roadblocks as you make that journey forward, um, you know, of the strategy of the organization. 
And so the, those roadblocks are like, you know, not only today, but also anything that you're going to run into the future. So you got to start considering a long-term strategy um, as you're starting to make these tactical decisions. Yeah. And, and I agree. It's just that when I have a conversation, I have to be respectful of they're living in the trenches and I first need to meet their need. When I talk to somebody, I want to know what you need and map to that to solve that. And then when that has been resolved, or at least we have a game forward, um, we can move into the more strategic design conversation. And to your point, Viet, there may be situations where the only way for me to make that recommendation is to understand it is not a product. It is not a, I need to do something tactically. I need to step back a little bit. And so part of that conversation is to know that you have experts here at CDW that can offer you somebody who's lived in your situation um, in the process, people, the technology, and that we're looking across the, the spectrum of tools, such as the vendors and such we bring, and we're going to bring the best technology or understand there are shortcomings and these are the ways to mitigate them. So Jeremy, how do you solve for either a client who doesn't know that they're in pain because they've always been in pain. So now the, the limb is numb and they didn't know, um, or they are identifying pain, but it's really a symptom to a root cause and ultimately is not their larger challenge. Those might be two different conversations, but how do you solve for when somebody can't or hasn't been able to accurately identify the true source of pain? So the conversation really then starts to become when they can't come to me and say, I have a tactical need, Jeremy, help me define a, with the tools available and the technologies, help me solve this. And then we'll open and broaden that up so that you would get a broad picture of my technology or my situation or my environment. Therefore to give, make sure that I'm not missing and painting them into a corner with the technology or process or recommendation. So that I always kind of keep that in mind. But when they come with a statement that they're having difficulty and need that they're stuck, on the journey, they've hit a, like Via said, they had a, they've hit a roadblock. Um, you start asking open-ended questions, not to be irritating or aggravating, but simply to let them start to articulate in a safe space their situation. Like, why are you doing the process this? Why are you using that tool? What is the outcome you're looking for? Uh, what is the process that you use to get from A to B within the methodology? And when you ask those open-ended questions, you're allowing as the hopefully the group of people on the phone on the, where the customer can express that in a safe space, you start asking them things that help them codify in their mind what their situation is so that you can then start understanding what the next step would be. And many times it's not simple. Many times it is um, where we're gonna have to recommend uh, getting into a workshop. The whole point of a workshop as a next step is not to just have an exercise of meetings to you don't sit around and eat donuts. I mean, that's important and all, but it's to get everybody together on the same page of what is the processes. And if there is a perceived barrier if the barrier is a true barrier or it's an artificial barrier that was created because that's the way we used to always do it. Yeah, Jeremy, I think what you're starting to hit on is we want to really understand where we're at to make decisions to move forward. 
uh, and this DevOps journey is not going to be done in a vacuum, right? There's going to be technical debt, which is probably a podcast we can do completely separate just on technical debt. But that these these decisions are going to be based on how can we iteratively get better based off where we're at right now, right? And so we better understand where we're at right now. Viet, yep. I, I see you piping up there. Yeah, well, yep. I, I think there, there's an aspect too where, you know, to, to Jerry's point, the open-ended questions are very valued, but understanding the understanding why, right? A lot of times, you know, when I'm talking to organizations, you know, I'll, I'll try to understand first, you know, what their business is, what they're trying to do for their customers. And then we start going down the wide tree. It's like, okay, you, you know, you need to do something to meet these customers' needs. Why are you implementing this? Or why do you think this is the right technology? And sometimes asking, especially if you don't know, you know, where you are, what you're doing, or why you're doing it, that, that why is so critical. You know, sometimes you need to ask that why to figure out, okay, you know, we picked this technology or we picked this process and, and here's the reason why. And if they can't answer that why, that's where it gives you an opportunity to, as an organization, dig in and say, okay, well, we picked this 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 path or this road to go down. Why did we do it? You know, like, does it, you know, and if you can understand that why, it makes it easier to adapt and adopt and evolve uh, versus just saying, okay, we're going to blindly accept the technologies and the processes that have been handed down to us. Um, so sometimes, you know, that's how I kind of peeled some of the information out from a lot of customers that I work with is just saying, asking that why question and helping, help me understand. And sometimes when they bring that out, they answer a lot of questions that they didn't even know uh, existed to begin with. And that helps guide them with some of those uh, challenges you were talking about, Mitch. Yeah. And Viet, I, I, I don't want to pretend or make it seem like I was uh, leaving out that why piece, because I, I think you're touching on something really important, right? Decisions were made in the past for a reason, and we're going to make decisions in the future uh, with that why in mind, right? Like the, the IT department should know what the overall business goals are, and that's the why. Why are they making these decisions in the IT department? Um, Ken, you had sort of an interesting take previously where you talked about the planning. I think we're sort of touching on the same thing, right? Uh, if you're going to put a plan in place, let's understand where we're at, where we're going, and then let's put that plan together. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a for example of an organization, you know, on, on the developer side, you know, they have a tool in place to manage their repo and manage their deployment pipeline. That's within the development team. And the driver is they're using another tool to do the project management. So they have a tool for doing repos, they have a tool for doing pipelines, they have a tool for doing project management. In the IT side, they have a tool that's different for doing their task management. And so those two task management tools are not necessarily, you know, talking to each other. Maybe they need to through some integration, or maybe there's some commonality between the tooling that could be, you know, a synergy. So if you think about that process of that particular organization, uh, there's certainly tactical pieces of that conversation that can be addressed as well as some strategic pieces, you know, to say, hey, we're trying to develop our DevOps journey, you know, help us get to that next step by evaluating several of these toolings as it relates to the processes we've already got in place. So it's helpful that you, you elaborate on that, Ken, and I'm curious to, to challenge on 
tools aren't the only thing that establishes a precedent around process. Sometimes that's culture, sometimes that's uh, workflow within a, a process and what the organization needs to do. How do you address, take the tool side out, take, take that out of that. How do you address process as it relates to individual organizations and culture, process around change management, process around um, uh, software development methodology? How does the culture side of that impact process? Oh, that's, a, that's a great question, Rachel. If we think about, you know, just the understanding of what DevOps means to an organization and then the roles that are making up that organization of a DevOps team and, and really looking at some of the expert reports that are out there, you know, the DOOR report, for example, you know, that drives us to, you know, reasons why we want to become an elite you know, DevOps shop, and then the measures that are within there. So helping organizations understand, you know, specifically what's being measured within that DevOps is, is really critical to helping that organizational change and then getting the people in the right places. Does that kind of address the question at, you know, a certain it does. level? And it brings in a new one, um, one that I've heard Viet have a conversation around. So this might be a better question for him. You talk about, you know, maturity as it relates back to to Dora, which is a, a survey that's sent out to a lot of different IT professionals and talks about attributes and and um, metrics that top performers look for. How mature should an organization strive to be, and does everyone need to be super DevOpsy? Do you need to go down that path for every? Need. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. I, I don't think everybody needs to be, you know, de again, DevOps is, it, I look at it as a philosophy, and I think that the um, industry defines it as a philosophy. It's just how do you improve collaboration and communication and build efficiencies into it, right? Um, and, you know, there are approaches to it. Some people, you know, they say, that, you know, once you're kind of at a very high level of DevOps, you have a lot of automation in place, you have a lot of self-service in place, you're doing high speed rollouts, um, you know, like some organizations doing, you know, hundreds of rollouts per day of new code and, you know, new new features. And, you know, not every organization needs to be there, right? It, I think it, it varies depending on what you're trying to do and what your business case calls for. Um, I will also go back to kind of what Ken said is to talking about how, um, you need to also look at some of the process because, you know, there are aspects where processes do need to evolve. You know, organizations have aspects where they're, they, they base things on tradition. Um, you know, like I was in a company that, you know, the company I was working for previously, they were a traditional waterfall shop, right? And they started implementing agile. Well, we tried to add agile capabilities into a waterfall phase gate design. So you would might, you might get through your waterfall sprint, uh, or you might get through your sprint in, let's say, you know, three weeks, but then you spend four months at the back end just trying to get it through all the phase gates. And, and that's where, you know, organizations do need to evaluate some of those processes. Um, and then that goes back to the tools that sometimes those tools that were implemented for a waterfall organization might not fit the new model or some of the new things they're trying to take advantage of uh, with kind of new development designs, new product, you know, deployment designs. Yeah, and if I could just build on, you know, the knowledge of what DevOps means, you know, from monitoring to deployment patterns, to testing patterns, to the team collaboration that you mentioned, Viet, to configuration, you know, there's different levels of maturity within each of those disciplines. 
So as you think about, you know, where does someone sit and how they're putting things together, it might be a storage guy putting storage together, a network guy putting network together. Uh, but we need to make sure we're understanding what maturity we are at each level. So Ken, that's a, it's a great question. I think I'm going to go back and ask the three of you as we look to wrap. It's uh, time flies when you're having mm -hmm. fun. But um, I, I'm going to ask you, Ken, and then Jeremy, I guess you and, and Viet last. But uh, what attribute or attributes from you know the overall principles and methodology of DevOps, those best practices, would you say that any organization should take advantage of regardless of whether they feel that they're ready to start a DevOps journey or they're very mature? You know, what what one or two um, of those attributes should any organization take into consideration? So one attribute that I think is, is missing uh, for several organizations is versioning. Uh, if, if you're not versioning your processes uh, or you're versioning your code as you move through a transition, and I, I say this primarily at the IT folks, you know, DevOps, it's been kind of in the application development space and you know we as an application developer for years have always versioned our code but not everyone is versioning you know their scripting or their configurations or their images uh or their containers uh so i think version control is something that people want to look at and consider as they move forward uh much more uh eloquently than perhaps you're doing it today Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point. I think one thing I would also consider too uh, is some of, you know, having some start building up metrics and start understanding where you're seeing successes and failures, right? Like handoff times, you know, time it takes for you to get something from development all the way through production, right? Um, start building out some of those that knowledge base of understanding, you know, are, you know, how much, how long it's taking, what, what's happening, where we're seeing failures, uh, because that, that information can be constant feedback that you're taking into advantage of to then really improve um, kind of the DevOps process and kind of improve some of the capabilities that organizations trying to develop. Um, I mean, we see it all the time, I think, and especially if you're doing any sort of product manufacturing, you see that, you know, they're very high on understanding, you know, where they're seeing failures, how those failures occur, how long it takes to go from one step to the next, um, you know, and, and that helps them really add more efficiencies into their organization as they're continuing to uh, kind of do that production run of whether it's a car, whether it's a computer, whether it's anything. And I think, you know, maybe even just having that base level, it can give you guidance of where can we improve some of our processes to then build in some DevOps practices. Yeah, and I think what it comes down to in that conversation is uh, you have to start in the co conversation of sponsorship at the executive level. If you don't have the the organization committed to uh, the goal of DevOps and the value it brings and the methodologies and have a sponsor that says we are committed to these processes, these people and the tools to support them and enable them to do it efficiently. Um, if you don't have that sponsorship to know that those investments can yield the results you want, but it is an investment and you've got to put those in, you got to invest in the tools, you got to invest in the people and part of that investment is a change of some of the organizational mindset too, that 
you got to be okay with a design that is okay with failing fast. You design for that fail fast process. I'm being okay with that. And I think that you start with automation technically, you, you bring in versioning, you bring in pipeline management. Those are all pieces of the puzzle, the skeleton, as I, use, I usually say. And that skeleton is, is the framework upon uh, which all of the, your assets like products and people and process can hang on. Um, but you have to have that, that organizational mindset of design it so you can fail, fail fast and have the executive sponsors to support the, that, that process. Yeah, Jeremy, I think I would agree with you and build on top of that and add for my own input there of concepts around collaboration. I think that's one of the first times or, or first takeaways that I had when I started to learn about this overall organizational changes. I mean, it's a methodology, it's a practice, but it's it's getting the stakeholders and the leadership engaged in that and then cadencing that communication and um, environment of being safe to fail and enabled to collaborate with your peers and look outside of your own team and to be your own responsibility so that you have more of an ownership of the entire process. If anyone is interested in, in learning more or listening to some other episodes in review, you can go back in and listen to Jeremy Wise's episode around data and DevOps, What's the Deal, from September of last year. And then Mr. Ken Collins, we reviewed the software development lifecycle as well back in uh, March of 2021. So if anybody would be uh, interested in listening to those episodes for a review on what those individuals have to say, um, welcome to do that. And we'll be featuring Viet in an upcoming episode as well around the people of DevOps. So with that, this is Rachel Airy and Mitch Krombach signing off. Thanks for listening with us here at Simplifying DevOps. We hope you tune in for more episodes as we continue to dive down this path of all things DevOps and understand more about the paradigm shift that we've seen revolutionize the IT world.